Hi, this is Amanda. And this is Lindsay. We're True Creeps. Where the stories are true. And the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore. To the possibly plausible paranormal. To horrifying history. To tense and terrible true crime. And everything else that goes bump in the night. We want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to our last episode of the year. Beep, 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 beep. Those are my, uh, I don't know, sound gun effects. I'm not quite sure. I've been drinking wine. They are great. So yeah, we are doing one of Lindsay's absolute favorite topics. Are you guys ready? It's like our annual Christmas thing now. All two years. All two years <laughs> of it. It is my favorite topic. And it's Christmas monsters. Last year, I feel like we had some saucy gals and a cat. And this year, we have uh, what I've lovingly titled them as anti-Santas. If you haven't already, if you don't watch Your Pretty Face is Going to Hell, you don't need to, but you should watch the Krampus episodes in the second season. It's the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It's pretty good. It's really, really good. I laughed so I watched it again. Oh, you did? 10 out of 10. Yes. We watched it together. It's funnier the second time. Yeah, we watched it together. And then I was like, I, I wanted my husband to see it. And then I just like cried as I laughed when I was watching it. Because all Gumfinickel wants to do is make horns. I'm sorry. Let's continue. <laughs> so yeah, today we will be talking about Christmas monsters again. But they've gotten crazier, I'd say. Yeah, we've got a fresh batch of, of anti-Santas or Christmas monsters, if you will. Why make it a fun, family, happy Christmas when you can terrify your children? That's also what I'm looking to do at all points, is how can we make every holiday just a little spookier? Because I think that's more fun. And let's uh, let's just get on into it. Okay, so the first one we're going to talk about is Belschnickel. He originated in the Palatinate region of Europe, which is southwest Germany. And there are some differing ideas on the origin of the name. I've seen some say that it's the German word for bells that translates into fur and nickel, which refers to St. Nicholas. I've also seen that Belschnickel is a combination of the German belzen, which means wallop, and nickel for St. Nicholas. Can I tell you, the only thing I think about is the Office episode. It's Dwight's Christmas where he gets to decide how they're going to be celebrating the office Christmas. Yeah. And that's where I learned of Belschnickel. I actually thought it was made up at first. And then when I had watched that office episode for the first time, I Googled it and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is fantastic. Fantastic. And also wildly tame compared to where we're going to get to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not just scary Christmas. It's scarring. <laughs> Yeah. So Belschnickel is often referred to as Chris Wrinkle, Belschnickel, Pensacle, and sometimes the Christmas woman when he arrives and <laughs> dressed in women's clothes. I like when a woman is part of, you know, Christmas. It's it's terrifying, right? Like, But also like not even a, the Christmas woman. Like we're not even going to give you a name. But just a woman being involved is scary enough. <laughs> yeah, like fuck off, right? Like we can't even have a full, like a fun name. But anyway. Perched up. That was last year. Yeah. Birch on a perch, Lindsay. Birch on a perch. Birch on a perch. Okay. So he's thought to be a companion or a servant of St. Nicholas. And some think that he was based on an older German myth of Rupert the Servant, who was a servant of St. Nicholas. And by some accounts, the servant of Christ himself, should you believe in such things. So he's often wearing animal fur, torn and dirty clothes, and also sometimes wear deer antlers on his head. And he travels alone and arrives at the home one or two weeks before Christmas. So 
He's not a Christmas type of person, nor is he a St. Nick's Day gentleman. And we'll get into St. Nick's Day and all the people around that. But he determines if the children he visits are deserving of Christmas treats or discipline for their behavior. And he's, I feel like he guess he's making the list. Amanda's laughing at me. He carries a switch in his hand. And if you don't know what that is, that means a branch that he's going to hit people with for the naughty. And he has cakes and candies and nuts for the well-behaved children. Where does he keep those? Are those, I mean, the switches in his hand? Is he keeping like the cakes in his pocket? Does he have a... In his fanny pack. And Oh, he has cakes in his fanny pack. Do you think that it's the Christmas tree cakes? I hope so. That's where they were inspired by. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Fanny pack cakes. Um, <laughs> do you think that he, the nuts that he has cause her laughter are the spice nuts that they sell that like around this time of year that are like sugar coated with cinnamon do they have that in hell (laughs) (laughs) yeah the renaissance festival yeah hell yeah 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 yeah. okay (laughs) so some stories say that in addition (laughs) anywho so some stories say that not only will he you know, have a branch or a cake, but he'll go as far as beating, kidnapping, or drowning naughty children. Fetch my drowning tub, if you know, you know. So per modern lore, which I'm assuming is growing out of a need to not abuse children, says that the switch isn't used to harm the children, but that it just makes a scary sound. And it's to remind them they still have time to be good before Christmas. Honestly, this feels like a stretch, but okay. No, it's useful. And that kids will get candy if they're polite. No, it's totally useful. Yeah. Do you have a a big branch that you swipe through the air to remind your child (laughs) to be good? Not quite, but uh, well, now that I guess I can say now that we're officially in December, it is safe to say, well, Santa's watching. And if you have ring doorbells or if you have various cameras, he also watches those. You're living in a police state. Jesus. You know what? Do you have an elf on a shelf? Fuck no. Because that's what elf on the shelf is. But that's what elf on the shelf is. I'm not moving that shit daily. I'm not. I could just say Santa. I just saw the camera move. Santa's watching. How many cameras do you have? I have a dot. I have two. Do you set up extra fake security cameras in <laughs> I the thought house about it. during December? <laughs> I thought about it. No. Uh, we have we have our our cameras to <laughs> to check on our dogs when we're not here because we're crazy. No, solid, fair. Okay, so when large groups of Germans emigrated to Pennsylvania, many Dutch communities held onto the legends of Belsnickel. And these communities would be what we typically call the Amish. And that's why it came up on the office, because they're yeah. in uh, Scranton. In pro- close proximity. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Close proximity to the Dutch communities. So you're going to notice a common theme. It's that a lot of these legends overlap. Some are on similar days. Some have similar looks. Some have similar things that they do or ways of punishing children. Some think that Belschnickel, Ruklaus, and that Nectarprecht and Ruklaus are similar German characters who punish bad children while St. Nicholas can reward good children. That's the one thing that I saw over and over was St. Nick's the good guy. And then like, is it this guy who casually waves sticks in the air? Is it someone who will drown you? Will you be salted, eaten, and then offered up to St. Nick? Will a scarecrow come at you? I don't know. Let's find out. (laughs) There's a lot. Yeah. And you know what? And because we brought up The Christmas Woman, you know what that also made me think about? Aubrey Plaza's new book, The Christmas Witch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, In case you were wondering, yeah, Amanda did buy that well before Christmas. Well before Christmas. I did the pre-order. There's this clip of her on like a Today Show or like some type of morning show 
where there, where she's like publicizing her book and she is just so much of herself that like when they show the anchors they're so unsettled and she's just cackling and it's just like the camera's panning back and forth <laughs> i love her so much she's one of my favorites so yes the Christmas Witch is out. So if you want to also talk about other weird things about Christmas, it is a children's book and it actually is really cute and kind of sad. Oh, okay. Yeah. Has penguins. Yeah. A great review. Okay. Penguins. Right. So let's. But sadness. Let's move on. I think this was my favorite. Let's see. Yes. This was my favorite one, I think, of this year because of just how how much nonsense is in this and how hilariously terrible and scary it is. I mean, too much. Too much is the answer. Too much. So, but never enough. Let's talk about Han's Trap. The Legend of the Christmas Scarecrow. The Legend of the Christmas Scarecrow is well known in the regions of Alsace and Lorraine in France. And this is another anti-Santa. He lived in the 1400s and he was a rich, powerful, greedy, and merciless man. He was feared by the people of Alsace. He worshipped Satan, and it is said that he made... (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) And it is said that he made a deal with the devil to enhance his power and status. Then, for some reason, he was excommunicated from the Catholic Church by the Pope after hearing about this deal. I mean, some reason. That feels like the reason right there. I know. Well, that's why I said it was because of the deal. So after the excommunication, he was banished and his riches and the land were confiscated. Once he left, he ended up in the mountains of Bavaria in Germany and he constructed a small makeshift home. While there, this is where the legend just gets dark. He decided that he wanted to taste human flesh. As one often does when in Bavaria. No, no, no. Yep, yep. So how he went about doing this is he disguised himself as a scarecrow, and this would allow for him to wait for his victim. So here's his story. Could I ask just a quick question before we get into it? Yeah. Amanda and I did our own research for each of these. So if I seem surprised, it's because I am. Just a quick question. No. Are you ever walking near a scarecrow on purpose? No, never. Okay. So like... I purposefully go around. Exactly. We encounter a lot of scarecrows. Yeah. All the time. Scarecrows all the time. Okay, sorry. That's That was the question I had for you. So here's how his hunt went. A 10-year-old boy came across the path of the scarecrow. Trap then stabbed the boy with a sharp stick. He brought the body back to his home, and then he sliced it into pieces and he roasted it. But before he could eat him, he was struck by a divine lightning bolt and killed. Kids today and how they're tortured by this horrific tale. Naughty children are warned that Trap's spirit still lingers. And that he might visit them as a fucking scarecrow if they don't behave. No fucking thank you. I love this. So if you want your kid to need therapy immediately, tell them the cannibalistic scarecrow will be on his way if they don't clean their room. Also, it'll be a great time to define what cannibalism is. (laughs) So when I was reading this story, parts of the story was actually based on a person. And his name was Hans von Trotha, and he was a knight. He lived from 1450 to 1503. He commanded two castles in the Palatine territory, which was French and German. He got involved in an argument with the church over property in one of the areas that he commanded. When he couldn't come to an agreement with the abbot, von Trotha stopped the supply of water to the nearby town of Weisenberg with a dam. 
I didn't know what an abbot was. I felt kind of stupid, but I guess it's a superior of a monastery for men. So the abbot had the dam destroyed, which then ended up flooding the villagers' homes and their businesses. The fight between the two continued until the knight was excommunicated by the Pope. I also read that even after that, there was some drama still going on between the two after he was excommunicated. A lot more happened. Now, he didn't end up dressing as a scarecrow and eating children, but the stories were told of his feuds with the church and that he served on the French royal court. Some local legends refer to him also as the Black Knight. And when people talk about the Black Knight, they talk to him as a creepy specter that would sometimes accompany Santa and punish children who were unworthy of gifts. I like that it's not give gifts to the good children and punish the bad children. It's that these children are unworthy. Like, and they're being punished. Like, it just feels like a different framing. Yeah. Yeah. But all around terrifying. All around truly terrifying. And I have never, ever heard of a Christmas scarecrow, right? Like, I've heard of the Krampus, like, monster-like forms. Yeah. But never the scarecrow. And with good reason. So our next is also from France, and it's Per Fratar. And he is synonymous with the boogeyman. He's thought to come the night before St. Nicholas Day. And there's two different origin stories. The first started being told around 1150, and it says that an evil butcher and his wife kidnapped three wealthy boys who were on their way to boarding school. Some stories say that they stopped by his home for shelter on their way. Either way, he slit their throats and then carved them like he would an animal and put their meat in the salting tub to preserve it. He had planned to sell it in his shop. However, St. <laughs> Nicholas came to his home, and Futar wanted to offer St. Nicholas his best meat, so he offered him the children. Instead of taking that fine meat, St. Nicholas resurrected the boys and sent them home. To repent for his sins, Fatar had to act as Father Whipper to punish naughty children. But, like, if he doesn't like children and wants to eat them, it doesn't feel like a punishment. You know what I'm saying? I like that St. Nick can resurrect children. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's a, that's a new vibe. That's a new thing. Yeah, that's a new thing for me. Yeah. So the second origin is in 1552 to 1553, the Siege of Metz was part of the war between the Holy Roman Empire and Francis Henry II. The locals of the area burned an effigy of the Holy Roman Emperor, Charles V, during the festival period. And they also dragged it through the streets. So there was a group of tanners around the same time, and they had made up a mascot, if you will, and it ended up looking very similar <laughs> to this burnt effigy. Strange. And they named him Father Whipper. He was just, and again, he was supposed to just be like a mascot for their profession. An interesting vibe. And then this timing of the burning of the effigy and the creation of this mascot was when St. Nicholas passed away. So that's why he got tied into that one. But it seems like most versions of the story blaze best that second one and go straight to cannibal child killer. So, Amanda, would you like to feel uncomfortable? Always. Perfect. Okay, so in the 1930s, Father Whipper came to America and became a part of American Christmas celebrations. His name was then Father Flog, but sometimes people called him Spanky. In our outline, it says, but sometimes, and then in all caps, Spanky with three question marks. He also had a lady counterpart of course, named Mother Flog, but she isn't a Christmas gal. She's just an all-time year gal, and she punishes children for committing crimes. Aggressive. Aggressive. So, I mean, okay, for committing crimes, I think that's fine. It's not that they, like, didn't clean their room. It's like they did something bad. You know, you say that. Let's hear about it. <laughs> so here's the, here's the rub, though. Father Flog 
doesn't travel with St. Nick. So mother and father flog travel around the country. I'm imagining in an RV. I have no reason to believe this. But so they travel around during Christmas time. It's father flogs like time to shine. But mother flog is still like living her truth. Right. But she doesn't counteract him. She's just like, yeah, let's do weird shit to kids. Right. St. Nick is like, but good kids get good things. And father flogs like, fuck them. Not literally like hurt them. But so here's what he does. So <laughs> father flog will cut off the tongues of lying children or cut off the hands of thieving children. And I feel like whoever tried to take this to America made it so painfully aggressive that it's it's just funny. Like, what? <laughs> Don't lie or Father Flog will cut off your tongue. It's a weird vibe. It is. It's also hilariously great. Yeah. I mean, he's going to fucking cut off the hands of thieving children. So like little Bobby is like, I want to. A Christmas chocolate and I'm going to steal it. A very creepy child voice. I know he's going to earn what he gets. And then his hands get cut off. Aggressive. You know what? I bet the kids of this time, though, were very well behaved. Or handsless. <laughs> or they had no tongues. <laughs> Quiet and handsless. <laughs> you know what? But they were good. They had no other options. What are they going to start stealing things with their toes? So I'm sure you're wondering what this butcher, burnt effigy, Holy Roman Empire looking gentleman looks like. Well, he has a long beard. Some say it's red. Some say black. I think I would enjoy it more if it was red because this way, white beard and then a red beard. I like the... Well, black beard's already taken, so... Yeah, you can't be Blackbeard. You're not a pirate. Get over yourself, Father Whipper. Anywho, so he looks disheveled, but he has a lot of fucking robes on, which I always find it interesting when someone's described as wearing robes because it generally means one robe, but the plural suggests many. I think he switched robes daily, like he cleaned his clothes, but he was still disheveled in such a way. Mm -mm. Do you think his laundry day robe was like a house robe, like with duckies on it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with like a few holes at the bottom. Yeah, and he did that like during the off season, like when he was traveling in the RV with Mother Flog and she was, you know, doling out punishment to children committing small crimes. So in addition to his robes, duckies or not, he carries a scourge style whip. And from what I understand, that's like one that is meant to cause more pain. His face is darkened with soot. So other legends say that there's two options or what's going to happen if you cross him. If you're good, you'll be able to get your gift on St. Nicholas Day, which is December 6th. And if you're bad, he'll either beat you or give you a piece of coal. Okay. And then this is then I would say where Santa is thought to bring the bad kids coal. Like maybe it was adopted from this. Yeah, I think it's from this because it's the first time that I have seen it. So next we're going to move into one you've probably heard of if you're a creepy spooky person. And that's Krampus. So he originated in the 1600s from Germanic folklore, and he's thought to accompany St. Nick, as many of them do. Krampus is from the German word Krampen, which means claw. <laughs> and I love that. Yeah. I now want to tell my cats, I'm going to act like I, I, I'm not the one that clips their claws. That's Ben. But let him let him clip your Krampen is <laughs> way better, I think. Yeah, they'll respond better to it, too. Oh, yeah, they'll love it. It'll make them more happy about it. He sings to them while he clips their claws. And he was over at my parents' house clipping their cat's claws. And my mom was like, did you know he sings to them? <laughs> it soothes them. Like, I do now. <laughs> From murder. Maybe it does. 
for murder. Did I ever tell you the story of when we moved from Jacksonville to Maryland? I say we, but I was already up here, but like Ben was moving up. The cats were with him. We're moving six cats up. We bathed six cats in one night. (laughs) Sounds awful. It was traumatic. Anyway, let's talk about Krampus. So Krampus is celebrated on Krampusnacht, which takes place the night before St. Nicholas Day. So it's on December 5th. St. Nicholas Day is on December 6th. In South Germany, Austria, Northern Italy, and other parts of Europe, people who are celebrating will dress up as scary looking Krampus-like creatures and sometimes hold things like torches while they walk through the streets to scare people, including children. And we actually covered this last year, too. I believe we talked about it in relation to Perchta. Yeah. So you're probably, if you're like, this sounds familiar, that's what you're thinking of. And then this festival is called the Krampuslauf, which is essentially a Krampus run or walk. The celebrations are growing now. Like a lot of cities have them. They're kind of like getting more and more popular. I want to think there might be one in Baltimore. And there's actually um, like there's a company around us that does haunted houses all year long. They do haunted houses like near the holidays, but they're doing like a Krampus haunted house that we're going to tonight, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah. When this comes out, it'll be tonight. So, well, if I can, I'll post some pictures of the outside of it because I'm sure it's going to be a really fun time. Yeah, I saw celebrations all over and there's even like a website that has where Krampus related festivities will be or Christmas haunted houses. Hell yeah. And it seemed like a lot of places. If you think of like a pretty big city, it's probably there. There's like Los Angeles, Chicago, Jacksonville, uh, New York City, Portland, all those things. Yeah. So Krampus, generally, he has a very specific look. He's half man, half goat. Of course. Roughly seven feet tall, hairy with bulging eyes, fangs, and a long whip-like tongue. And I think that it's the tongue that gets me in every image of Krampus. It's like the tongue is always very intense. He also has pointed ears, horns, and you know know what we love, Amanda. Mismatch feet! (laughs) So one of them is a hoof and the other is a bear-like foot. He carries a pitchfork or a satchel full of switches and a bag to carry children. And in modern day, he has the fanny pack. Yeah. And or (laughs) he carries his drowning tub. So in terms of origins, some people think that he is from pagan rituals for the winter solstice. Some legends say that he is the son of the Norse god of the underworld, hell, and the rise of Christianity. He became associated with Saint Nick. So St. Nicholas would reward children while Krampus would swat, quote unquote, wicked children and stuff them into his sack to take to his lair. Great child abduction. So in the 12th century, the Catholic Church tried to banish celebrations of Krampus because he looked too much like the devil. And the world was like, sucks to suck and kept on carrying on with Krampus. So then the Austrian conservative Christian Social Party tried to ban him again in 1934. But surprise, surprise. That didn't work either. So Krampus, not surprisingly, he comes on Krampus Knopf, <laughs> a.k.a. Krampus Night, which is December 5th. Good kids get presents and the naughty kids get, you know, one or more of the following. Kids with longer hair, he'll rip out your pigtails. He'll beat you with a tree branch, take you to hell, eat you, or he'll uh, just put sticks in your shoes. Also, interestingly, which I didn't see literally anywhere else, but on the episode of Your Pretty Little Face is Going to Hell, they talk about hitting children with clogs as well as an option. It it seems like there's a vast difference, though. Like some of them, he's pulling out their hair. Some of them, he's eating them or taking them to hell. And then some, he's just like, you know what? You were so bad. I'm putting a stick in your shoe. Here's a minor inconvenience. For the sticks in your shoes, have you ever celebrated St. Nicholas Day? 
So the only time in my life that I have ever celebrated that day was with my ex because their parents would be like, put shoes here. But like when I did not live there, they were like, leave your shoes out. And they were putting gifts in shoes because that's a thing for St. Nicholas Day, which is actually like a very fun and cute little tradition. But that's why I'm assuming that there's sticks in shoes so that rather than gifts, you just get sticks in your shoes like he's watching. I still like, though, the idea of someone saying, well, he might kill you or he might. Yeah leave a minor inconvenience (laughs) but you don't want to gamble with fate so be good (laughs) yeah i mean it's always a toss-up he'll either rip your hair out or put a stick in your shoe it's a stick in a shoe sorry i got it i had to do it (laughs) yeah i wouldn't take that bet so let's move on so this one that Lindsay already sort of mentioned, but we're going to talk about him a little bit more. And that's Nectruprecht. And the story goes back to the late Middle Ages. It is part of centuries-old Christmas traditions in Germany. Again, where Christmas celebrations start earlier in December. So while St. Nick is doing the fun stuff and rewarding the kids, Nectruprecht is the hellbound counterpart. He's known by many names, and she already touched on this a little bit, but there's a couple more. Black Peter... Smutchly, could be saying that wrong, and Krampus. And all of these people have very similar yet differing characteristics. He's usually seen as a half demon slash half goat looking figure with devilish horns and a monstrous tongue. He also could be seen as a sinister man with a black beard bearing a black furry robe with chains and bells. It's a whole look. Yeah, it just sounds like a punk rock Santa. Yeah, it it really does. He also holds a bundle of birch sticks to punish naughty children. He appears in homes on St. Nicholas Day to ask parents about their children's behaviors. Oh, shit. He's going straight to the parents. He's going straight to the source. He's like, what are these little fuckers up to? Yeah. So here's here's where I was a little confused. So depending on the response, he will give switches for use on the bad children before dragging them into the woods. Oh, shit. So he wants the parents to beat them before he takes them. That's what I understood. It's a family affair. It's a family affair. Okay. And what I don't understand is like what parent would be like, yeah, that little asshole fucked up this year. And then he's like, well, let's beat him. And then I'm going to take him into the woods. (laughs) Probably eat him. I don't know. (laughs) But they're like, yeah, take him. He's bad. (laughs) I think a surprising amount of parents would be like, yeah, let's do some fucked up shit because I'm tired of this little asshole. Or I guess with the other one, if they lie, they get their tongue cut off. Yeah. Or chop off their hands. There's no rules. There's no rules back then. No, it's lawless. So I hope you've enjoyed this smattering of Christmas monsters. And I hope this made your Christmas terrifying. Yeah. And that you have new ways of terrifying your children. Should you have children, don't do it to strangers' children. Don't scare strangers' children. I don't think that will go well. But you know what I do want to know? I do want to know how you are convincing your children that some entity is observing their behavior in December and or all year long. So my sister-in-law convinced my son that Santa watches him from the moon. (laughs) So specific. (laughs) Anytime the moon is out, she'll be like, he's watching. Or anytime anyone says like, Santa's watching, he looks up at the moon because he's the weird kid. That is the cutest thing. And I love that like, he's likely going to tell all of his school friends and they're going to be like, what? Yeah. So what we didn't consider is, yeah, they eventually grow up to go to school and they're going to share these weird things that you tell them with other children. Isn't that the point? Oh, man. To spread the hashtag fake news. 
So like in like what hundreds or thousands of years when other people are covering Christmas monsters, this one came from my son thinking that Santa lives on the moon and is watching him at all time. And it's apparently an alien. Yeah, he's an alien Santa. And you know how many things are going to be added to this through this game of telephone, right? Saying, I mean, as they should be. Yeah, kind of like Buddy Man, right? Like the gruesome stuff just continues to go. Yeah. Can't wait. Keeps on keeping on. I love this. I love this for him. He's going to have a, a wild ride. Yeah. And so we hope you all have wonderful holidays. And if you are enjoying the show, take a minute and go on iTunes or Facebook and leave us a quick review. If you do, we'll send you a little prize in the mail and it'll be an adorable sticker. Yeah. And just as a reminder... This is our last episode of 2021. We will see you in the new year, but we're very excited. It's been a a wonderful year creeping with you. We appreciate you for listening. We also appreciate all of our Patreons. Happy holidays. And with that, have a good weekend. Thanks for creeping with us. Thanks for listening. For more information on our sources, please visit our website, truecreeps.com. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at truecreepspod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash truecreepspod and on Twitter at truecreeps. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps. 